Hello, and welcome to another edition of Scions of the Southland. As always, my name is Akshay Ishwaran, and joining me from beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, is a man who loves himself a sea shanty, Mr. Jake Grant. How are you today, sir? Uh, well, considering my building is not on fire, like the 10 minutes that uh, we just spent trying to figure that out before this call, I'd say pretty good. I like not being uh, barbecued. I don't know. Something about being, you know, Dutch oven like that. There's, there's some sort of, uh, I don't know. There's, there's some sort of. Uh, where, where am I going with this joke? I'm, I'm really trying to, trying to think of some sort of cooking metaphor that we just talked about. Yeah, I mean, you got Dutch oven, so you know, Dutch you're, oven. You're, you're, you got something at least to show for it. You know, I'm watching the Bucks and the Saints. Two teams that I very much so dislike in the NFL play on TV. Not super happy about it. So I'm going to blame any sort of uh, mental failings that I have during this episode on on that. How, how about we go with that? That's fair. I, I think that's a legit cause. <laughs> okay, so we have, I mean, I, an entire slate of non-rev uh, news to talk about this week. Um, and then we also have had some campus construction news that you alluded to on Twitter a couple of days ago. So let's get our usual 30-minute 30 uh, minute timer ready. Mr. Grant, are you ready to go? Yeah, let's get this show on the road. All right, three, two, one, let's get started. So first up, women's basketball. Uh, enduring a COVID break, but it's not they them that have the problem. Uh, it is Syracuse and UVA that are both in COVID protocol. Uh, UVA actually ended up canceling their season as a result of this. Uh, so I don't know. It's been a rough couple of uh, rough couple of weeks here for the ladies because of how many games they've had canceled. Not not ideal. Yeah, they uh this is their second COVID break and it doesn't really feel like they ever came off the the first one and I know they were back for like 2 weeks. Um but uh you know it's tough. Uh I don't know. You uh Q's and UVA were both winnable games, so to see those kind of get washed, well especially with UVA obviously there's no chance that that happens now, especially for a team trying to pile up some wins and get the respect that they frankly deserve. It's mm-hmm. disappointing, but hopefully they'll be back at it uh, this coming week. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important to know, and I think we talked about it last week, Cuse was a ranked team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were at 24. I haven't checked recently. Uh, so getting a ranked win, or at least having the chance at a ranked win, would have been super nice. Um, UVA, I think we talked about last week, they, are not, they were not a great women's basketball team. Um, so having that victory also would be, would be pretty nice, but you know, kind of can't help it. So hope, hope everyone, uh, in Syracuse and in Charlottesville is doing okay. And, you know, we'll get to see both of those teams next year. So not too far off. Yeah. I think this, uh, this sports year has definitely been the wait till next year year. (laughs) Oh, the Athens fans love that. Don't they? I mean, I, I was more going for the tortured Cubs fan joke there, but uh, I mean, their uh, their their last 
national champions can probably start thinking about joining the AARP and stuff. So that's fun. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Moving on to men's basketball. They were also in a COVID break, uh, but this one was with a positive test uh, in the Georgia Tech program. Uh, however, they have restarted practice and team activities uh, per reporting uh, and some press releases that came across uh, the wire. So things are looking up for their next game. I, I actually don't have the schedule in front of me because I'm a bad podcaster. Um, but uh, assumedly that's like Wednesday this week. So, uh, Well, they have the distinct misfortune of running into the seemingly only competent team in the conference in their next game out, and that's uh, number 12 Clemson, who are fresh off a uh, monster beatdown, I think is the best way to call uh, the loss that they just took. So they have a very good Clemson team coming to town uh, midweek this week and probably a team that's you know going to be looking for some vengeance. We beat them twice last year. They lost ugly at home uh, this weekend, so... <laughs> You know, that's what you'll that's what you want, right? Yeah. I mean I'm not I'm not gonna complain about it. It's also important to note um that it, it's just the, the way that you phrase this, like the only competent team in the in the conference, and then you pair that with a <laughs> a massive beatdown. <laughs> there's that. And then there's also the fact that the team that they got beat down by was was Virginia. So yeah, this weird this year has been very very strange for the ACC in in a number of ways. Where I mean, none of the usual teams that you would think are are good have been even remotely that way. So that's how you end up with Clemson at twelve, and then the rest of the conference um, or the rest of those top teams in the conference either sitting between twenty, I think it was like twenty one and twenty five, or just completely unranked. And it's very strange. Yeah, the uh, I'm sure we'll get some Clemson fans talking about how their back hurt or whatever, and I'm definitely at the camp that it's not fair to be good at both football and basketball, but life's not fair, you know. Um, Georgia Tech men's basketball has been play had been playing better of late until they were in their uh, unscheduled bye week or bye two weeks. Um, so you know they they have a shot against a good team. If they can come out swinging, then uh, perhaps they'll, you know, goose the necessary uh, rankings. Yeah, you especially need some of that RPI juice to get over the loss to Mercer, the loss to Georgia State. And then I think even just playing Delaware State, you mentioned, was an RPI bust. So, Yeah, and then uh, getting <laughs> getting them to count twice because Wake Forest played them too and then us playing Wake. So, you know, just Delaware State is just – Drizzled all over the ACC RPI at this point. Womp womp. All right. Continuing to move on here, Mr. Grant, you had a swim team update. Yeah. Uh, COVID's the theme. The uh, womp womp womp. Vanderbilt uh, on the 15th. That got pushed to the 23rd, um, presumably due to COVID. Uh, they, they, as we get farther down from the men's basketballs of the world, um, reasoning and promptness and you know all the logic all the we demand from the the hyper focused sports namely like football where every little thing about the program is just dissected um with swim they they move the schedule around you don't really know why 
somebody may not swim. You don't really know why. That's just the life of the uh, the non-rev fan, I guess. But we still had some action. Uh, diving um, was down in Tallahassee. I really should say women's diving because poor Jacob Kreider was all alone. They took just one dude uh, down there, uh, and it was blustery winds and 39 degrees in Tallahassee at the start. So much different weather than the last time. Such a great, great winter day. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Still a gorgeous pool. I love swimming down there, but uh, I can't imagine being on the three-meter with uh, a bunch of wind to your face in uh, in 30-degree weather was all that nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he... It definitely sucks when you're the only person, too. Like, imagine how just awkward that is. Like, you're the only only person on your team listed for however many events, like diving events. Mm-hmm. Like, that must suck. I mean, there's there's only three FSU dudes, too. So, But I, I have to imagine that the trip down there was probably, like, literally, like, the diving coach driving the van. Like, being back in high school, going to a meet where it's just, like, you and four other kids, and you're like, all right, well, maybe if we're good, they'll let us stop at Portillo's on the way home, you know? <laughs> maybe. Not, not that they could do that coming back from Tallahassee. I'm sure there's like a a Shoney's or a Chick-fil-A or something on the way back from there, though. Zaxby's. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That, that, Zaxby's be- would be a good choice. Not sp- not a sponsor. No, sadly. We, we don't shill for companies anymore from the Rumble seat. <laughs> anymore um okay let's let's keep moving we got a track update you mentioned here lydia troop won the 400 meter dash and she was the only event winner uh there were not that many entries in this meet uh so that I, I think we talked about that a little bit before we got on the air yeah we did um again track is just one of those sports I, i've learned a lot about a lot of sports since uh do starting the non-rev coverage here uh, you know I, I feel like i've gotten a better handle on golf tennis volleyball whatever but track whether it's how the how the meets are structured when you're going to see what events how many people you put in each event it's it's a lot less regimented than swimming or maybe i just know swimming more for being around it a lot longer but you know there, there's two people in a couple of the field events um and one scratches but at the same time Tech has 12 dudes up for the uh, 300 meter, and, and they did well in that. Um, the distance events look pretty good. Um, but, you know, there's there's three teams. There's unattached teams. There's, like, professional-seeming teams. It's just very odd to uh, see a track meet. I don't really know how to compare the apples, like, to oranges of last week, or I guess we really haven't seen them much since, since last year because you can't really count cross country you're not doing long jumps in in cross country season but uh um, oh, you're not oh man i need to readjust my expectations dude they're they're just really long jumps like the four mile jump the the eight mile jump that that's field in cross country season <laughs> really got to work on that leg strength yeah i think they have to wear moon shoes oh bring back moon shoes that what a glorious age in childhood when kids had moon shoes yeah Moon shoes, moon sand. The moon was just all the rage, I guess. <laughs> Speaking right. of other sports that are the rage at Georgia Tech, golf was in action uh, this week. Action. Oh, my gosh. We got two more days of golf. We oh, only had boy. one day of the tournament under our belt. 
yeah, they were in action in uh, Panama City Beach, PCB, which you have denoted here as lit, as the kids might say. Dude, if we could go cover this stuff live, we'd be in Tallahassee and Panama City Beach this weekend. What One place. of those places is somewhere that I want to be. <laughs> uh, no, um, the interesting thing about this tournament, and I found out um, via Bruce Hepler's podcast, uh, which if you subscribe to the Georgia Tech Athletics um, podcast feed, you know, to get your coach interviews and stuff like that, uh, Bruce Hepler uh Posted a new episode, and this tournament, he was saying, it's very interesting because it's 10 ACC teams uh, at the future home of the ACC championships. They're going to a four-year rotation, so this will be one of the four courses on that rotation. And so it's a lot of uh, a lot of good competition and a lot of familiar competition in a way that, say, we probably wouldn't get, uh, you know, in a regular... Playing in, regular, in Hawaii, randomly. ...tournament. Mm. No, I was gonna say it's better better uh, competition than they they would get playing it randomly in Hawaii to begin the year. I mean, they'll they'll st- they still get good competition at that. It's just not as relevant as this, I guess. You know, you want to see that team that you're trying to take the trophy from. It means more to win the ACC than it does to just. I I'm, I say that as more of a layman. Maybe it means more to the players, or there's. Six- Mm. Let's see. Uh, let's keep moving here. You said here uh, Clemson leaves so the tournament at minus 12, uh, and then Noah Norton uh, is the best guy left, but he he's not in this? He's not in the lineup for this? No, he's not in the lineup tonight. Mm, interesting. I, I think in the notes here you mean best guy left on the roster from last year, which – uh, yeah. flummoxed me for for a second there. Uh, and then uh, our last or one of our competitors left is Bartley Forrester, uh, obviously future Cobb County commissioner. Uh, who who you have some? Uh, I mean, you you said he needs to he needs to pick it up, right? Uh, I like uh, how he plays his games, uh, just from what I've seen, and I think uh, he's definitely got the He's got the right stuff to fill some shoes. I'm not saying he needs to start doing it tomorrow or, or next week or something like that, but he's definitely somebody to uh, to keep an eye on. He won a tournament last year uh, in pretty impressive fashion, so it would definitely be nice to see him kind of have that stroke week in and week out. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty solid. Uh, notably, Tech is in sixth on that lineup uh, at plus five. Like we said, Clemson was at the top at minus 12. Uh, let's keep it moving over to tennis now on the men's side. Uh, they are 500. They went one and one in the first two days of the MLK tournament. Uh, they played South Carolina and Georgia Southern. You watched, I think a good bit of this, uh, on both the men's and the women's side. So, uh, what'd you think? Well, as much as one can watch, uh, online watching the score change, I couldn't tell you a lot that about counts. <laughs> I I will say I like how Mississippi State they do uh they do a live stream so I did get to catch a little bit of that for the ladies but we'll talk about them in a sec. Um South Carolina lots of close losses. Uh we won doubles. That is the that is the party line that ramblinrec.com would like you to pay attention to. Incredible but, spin. Just incredible spin on that article. Oh yeah. I mean, 
you gotta you gotta get your dub somewhere. But looking at the rankings going into the season, uh, doubles was always going to be our forte, which is great. Uh, sucks a little bit at the college level because it only counts for one points, uh, one point out of the seven. So you know we are going to need to pick up singles if we want to win matches and go deep in the ACC or get an NCAA bid. But they really took uh, Southern to the woodshed um, up and down the lineup, and that's what this team needs to do. So not really any complaints there. And then they play a always solid uh, Athens team tomorrow, I believe. Mm-hmm. Solid solid lineup to start the uh, start the tennis season, at least on the men's side. Um, especially with – I think we talked about off-air, South Carolina is – is very competitive. I, I think when we were talking about it, it was like, okay, well, close losses are fine. Like you said, uh, maybe we can pick up a couple points here and there. Um, I think the Georgia Southern one was more or less expected. Like that's sort of a one you got to have. Yeah. Um, it'll be a great way to benchmark this season too, considering we see all three of the teams that we play this weekend um, later in the season, including Southern. Um, so definitely using that South Carolina as a benchmark of, hey, we turn these close losses into close wins, that would be a great sign. Mm-hmm. You got you to regress to the mean, except the, exactly. the other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, over to the women's side. They beat Ole Miss in their first match, uh, and you mentioned that they are in progress versus Mississippi State right now. Yeah, I will uh, pop on over to my live feed of that. Um, again, shout out Mississippi State. I like what you guys do with the with the feed. Um, there was four doubles matches that they played, which is weird. Usually in tennis, uh, college tennis, you only see three. I believe they split those those four. Tech taking the top two, which I feel is more important, anyways. So go Jackets. Um, in terms of Tech singles, uh, Kenya Jones avenged a loss with a win. Uh, over a, a ranked opponent, which is good. Uh, we had one of our freshmen pick up a big win. Um, one loss, um, actually two losses, next further down the courts, and then cleaned up at the bottom. With only There's only one court left in action, but Tech is leading in the first set. So, oh, wait, I lied. Shoot, there's three left. Um, but Tech is leading <laughs> two to three, so I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I don't really have anything to add because I'm not the one looking at the scoreline. But uh, what did you think of the Ole Miss match specifically? Um, Ole Miss Tech got uh, Tech got a necessary W. Uh, women's tennis is 12th in the country. You need to beat beat the Ole Misses. You need to beat the Mississippi States. Those teams just aren't that good. When we start to see like a I mean, the ACC is is pretty tough year in and year out. But the North Carolina schools, when you start to see even even like a fringe 25 team like Ohio State or, or a well-regarded fellow nerd school like Vandy or Northwestern or uh, Stanford, these are all good programs that we see on our schedule a lot. Um, those are where you can take a loss or, or a close defeat or whatever. Um, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and tomorrow Memphis, those need to be wins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little bundle of like Mississippi and Mississippi adjacent schools right there. Yeah, Miss, Memphis and, and Miss State. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, we seem to be the odd man out there, but uh, you know, it's 
it's still Power Five and AAC competition. So you know, Power Six, baby. Yeah. <laughs> the AAC wants to be wants to make it happen. Mm. They can dream. I don't know if it'll happen, but they can dream. They can dream. All right, so let's round out some non-rev coverage with some schedule updates for our uh, ball and bat sports. Softball uh, got some of his schedule leaked by way of FSU. Uh, FSU will be visiting uh, Shirley Clements Mewborn Field to open the year. I forgot what weekend that is, uh, but it should be the second weekend in February, if I remember correctly. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. Uh, context, Florida State, possibly the only uh, competent ACC softball program. Okay, competent is a, is a sort of an understatement here. They are a national title contender year in and year out these days. They're the only title contender in the ACC. I think that's a fair way to put it. You took the words out of my mouth, though. I was- See, that's a better way to say it. See, you know, I have trouble with this whole speaking English thing. Well, uh, that's why you and I are on the podcast, you know, because we are so uh, graceful with our words. Indeed. So go tell me a little bit more about this FSU team that we're looking at facing to open the year. Yeah, um, I'd like to add in, too, we're going to see a lot of these Atlantic teams that we may not see as much. So FSU to start the year. You know what? You might have to chalk it up as an 0-3 just because they're that good. And we don't really know what this team is going to look like, quite frankly. It was a team that was still finding itself last year when the uh, when the season got cut, right? And and how that changes, yeah, we don't lose a ton, but we don't really know much about the pieces from last year because they didn't really get to conference play at all, um, let alone the ones we have coming in this year. So it's it's if we can take two of these games against FSU – that is massive W. You, you, if you, you can take one, like let's let's start with one. <laughs> well, yeah, I, no. It's, I mean, it's it's what we said last year when we were talking about playing Washington, right? It's yes, you have exactly. to look looking competent in these games versus top competition is is success. Losing close is is success. Anything more than that is is gravy at that point. Yeah. Um, we also will have Louisville at home, which is another competent program out of the Atlantic. Um, so it'll definitely be interesting to see how Tech plays seeing, you know, but they schedule well. Softball mm-hmm. schedules pretty well. Getting getting the Buzz Classic back together last year and getting arguably the best team on the planet in your home stadium to start the season, that's good. I mean, this is this is quite frankly, probably what the coaching staff would prefer, right? You'd rather get Florida State in, get them in early, get your hacks in, and, like, I don't know, learn from that rather than duck them all together and play, I don't know, like Boston College instead. Oof. Rough, rough for Boston College there. I mean, they're just not Florida State, man. They they haven't played nobody, Paul. I mean, they might be able to literally. When the season starts, I mean, mean, literally, they haven't played anybody. Exactly. Um, But yeah, no, we'll we'll have to wait and see on that. I think it'll be it's not a prove it year or anything for softball, but we just want to see progress. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think what softball the last time softball went to the NCAA tournament was what, 2012? Maybe Um, 2010? 
I think you might be right, but I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> Shame. Uh, you're supposed to know these things, but in in either case, it's been it's been a while, right? I think we sort of see Eileen in much the way that we see Jeff, uh, where yeah. there there was a a sort of foundation that was there, but it, she needs time to sort of. I mean, softball and baseball are less sort of philosophy sports and more like get your people in, get your talent in and develop it. And I think she's done a good job of developing talent, especially at the plate. It's just now let's get more talent in, let's recruit at a higher level, and then let's be the second tier team or even compete with FSU. And I think in that vein, this game, the series versus FSU to kick off the year is a good benchmark. Uh, much like I think we talked about last week, how that Clemson game is for football to see where you're at and how you're punching up uh, against that that upper echelon of talent in the nation. Yeah, um, and I, I did do a quick Google search. You were right on the 2012, so I don't yes. know how you channeled that, but good job, sir. And uh, <laughs> you know, through through the current, um, or I guess when play was suspended last year. Eileen Morales and her teams are 59 and 53. So I think that that that's not like world beating or anything, but it's a step up from where the program was. And now they have another year of their players, their development. I, I think it'll be interesting to see if they can take another big step. And especially with uh, new pitching coach, Marty McDaniel coming in. Um, I don't exactly remember when he got hired. I feel like he was here. Uh, to start the 2020 season, but obviously that got cut short. So you're talking about a pitching staff that uh, that had so a lot of raw talent last year, and I think we commented on that a lot when we were talking softball last year. Um, it had it had a lot of raw talent, and then let's see how he's able to work with them and develop them, and then uh, how he's been able to do that during this uh, during the fall training period, and then also during the beginning part of spring camp and then how that translates uh, on the diamond in actual games. Yeah. Um, it, it's a great, uh, a great pickup for the staff, right? So we don't need to, it's not like you're putting all your hope on an unknown. He's got proven past success. We've, I, I have liked what he did at Tennessee. He wasn't the head coach or anything, but uh he was an assistant there for years, and you don't stick in SEC softball for 16 years if you're not good at your job. So, mm-hmm. um, definitely would n- definitely will be nice to see pitching, especially. And we talked about the ERA stuff last week. So, mm-hmm. all right, we're we're gonna need to do an entire softball preview episode. I think I think there's a lot we can we can dive into. I know that's like my second or third favorite sport on campus to, oh, for sure. to go and sit and watch. So. And and we'll, we'll tease with this. Um, I, I do want to get this in there because we we hypothetically talked about McDaniel and the pitching staff, but I want to drop in one of his lines from his bio on Ramblin' Wreck. Bettering, a veteran collegiate pitching coach, McDaniel played a pivotal role in making Tennessee a top-tier team in the SEC. Uh, he earned coaching staff of the year three times, and during his tenure helped lead the program to seven Women's College World Series appearances and two conference titles. That's pretty good. Yeah, that'll uh, that'll do it. That will that will do it. I'm I'm impressed by his resume. 
I'm excited to see what he does with his pitching staff. I know that's been a bugaboo for this team for, for a while now. We've been talking about it for a couple of years. So, um, I'm yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, and I think I think we can do a whole softball, baseball preview. I think there's plenty to unpack for, for both of those teams. Mm-hmm. Speaking of baseball, uh, our friend slash friends at, at Beesball on Twitter – uh, we're able to collate some scheduled teasers as uh, Georgia Tech has not fully announced their rollout yet. Uh, but we already knew about the season opening series uh, hosting Eastern Kentucky. Uh, there's a midweek game versus Georgia Southern on March 17th. Uh, then Tech goes to uh, Durham to play Duke on March 26th to the 28th. They host FSU in mid-April, so that's April 23rd to 25th. The return fixture at Georgia Southern uh, is April 28th. Uh, Tech will go to Clemson uh, the first weekend of May, so that's May 7th to 9th. Uh, And then the weekend after that, they'll go to Miami. That's the 14th through the 16th. Obviously, that's missing uh, probably about half of the schedule. Uh, a lot of it looks to be versus the rest of the coastal uh, and probably a couple more Atlantic series in there. And then obviously we're going to have to figure out how to get that SunTrust game in uh, if that's on in the cards this year. Uh, But just from that brief overview, uh, what do you think here? Yeah. um, First off, that's 17 games and four ACC, uh, ACC series. So I believe so that's like a third. Yeah, I think so. We, we still have a decent chunk. There's there's going to be twelve conference. Uh, yeah, twelve conference weekends. So we'll see twelve of the thirteen teams. So it's a lot of a lot of moving parts left to fall in place. I think really the only question in terms of conference schedule is who are we playing where and who is the one team that we're not. Would I love to see Louisville on that schedule, knowing that they're probably the best team in the conference again? Yes. Um, I would love to get them at home. Um, I'm excited for that FSU series too. Uh, but, you know, Miami, Clemson can't sleep on either of them. So even from what we have already, Eastern Kentucky, yeah, you may think that, wow, they're a directional state school. What's up with them? They won the OVC, Ohio Valley Conference, in uh, in 2018. And they've, they've appeared in the tournament, uh, not a fair few, but, you know, a couple times in the last few years. So, I really can't complain with anything that we've we've seen so far. It's just a matter of who and when and where for the rest of the schedule. It's also executing early on in that schedule, which uh, yeah. this team has traditionally had problems with, uh, especially during when you know when we have the Atlanta Challenge. Dropping one of those games is always uh, always a little frustrating. So if they can open this season up strong versus uh, EKU and then keep keep bringing that energy to the remaining conference weekends. And obviously there are going to be a lot of them uh, with conferences trying to unify COVID protocol uh, this season. Um, it'll be, it'll be a good year. I think we have high hopes for this, for this team, especially based on the roster and especially based on the incoming class of freshmen uh, with, with DeLeo and Parada and even the class of freshmen that we got to see in limited short bursts at the beginning of last year. I think 2021 sets up to be really, really successful if we can take advantage of all that talent. There's just so many people fighting for such little playing time. I think there was something like 46 players or something on the roster. This It, it was a big number. Um, 
well over the usual limit. So, you know, even even having depth pieces is going to be great, but we're going to need to see people take that step up and be like, yes, like make the most of the time they get. Because you can you can dream on talent all you want, and we're going to have boatloads of it. But somebody's going to have to execute, and that's that's my one nervous thing, right? I feel like there's been this since the Auburn uh, Auburn Coastal FAMU Regional. It's just been building for almost two straight years of like Georgia Tech baseball is going to be something. They're going to be great again, and you know that's that's a lot. <laughs> we don't even have the sure thing of golf necessarily anymore. Like baseball is out of anything. Our our ride or die right now, I would think. I mean, you got women's tennis too, but, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I, I understand what you're saying uh, as we head into stoppage time here. Uh, it's that pressure that you're talking about, if if we could go into a little bit more, I guess, tangible detail, it's sort of you're, you, you looked at the 2020 season as a bounce-back year, not really like a bounce-back year for the program, but as a – Let's run it back. Let's yep. uh, let's improve on that disappointing ending to to the regional, and let's come back. Let's run the table in the conference. We have the talent to do it, and let's get back. Let's get to hosting a regional again, and let's win it this time because we were on the cusp of doing so already. Yep. So that that sort of specific pressure and expectations, knowing that you have the talent to really do well in those regionals and put, trying to put the pieces together at the right time, evaluating the talent that you have during the course of the year, and then putting those players in positions to succeed. This is sort of the challenge of this year, right? Especially when you have more of those puzzle pieces to maneuver into place. Um, and yeah, I, honestly, if anyone can do that, I think we have like a lot of confidence at Hall and Burrell and uh, and and Ramsey to get that done. Yeah, um, and it's just having that confidence, right? When we have to have the faith that Hall and, and, and to a lesser extent Ramsey and Burrell are going to be able to say like, "That's that's my starter." If he's coming out slow, like I'm either going to stick with him because I know X, Y, and Z, and things are going to work out, or I need to know that I need to make a change because something's not working, right? Like last year, we see we see Colin Hall get off to a slow start out in center field. And, you know, the the, the tricky thing is we know him. We've seen him for this will be, what, his fifth year now on campus where mm-hmm. he's had a proven record of success. We know what he can do. But at the same time, there's now two, three other guys who can knock on the door and, and fight him for playing time. You know, it's – it's just tough because you don't want to have too quick of a hook or to, you know, let it ride when you shouldn't. And I mean, that's, that's why they're the managers and the coaches, not us, but um, you know, that I think that's our, that's our existential dilemma this year. Cause we have boatloads of depth. Uh, I think in a way that we didn't really even have in 2019, but there is no Kyle McCann, Tristan English. Like we know that person and we there's know no that proven quantity. Players. Like there, I think I get what you're saying. There's no proven good quantity, right? Well, because we got Luke Waddell, but like outside of that, it's it's kind of question marky, right? 
Like you have Brent Herder coming back, and we can we can do a yeah. whole preview episode like we're talking about uh, with with softball. We can, you know, we have a lot of weeks to fill coming up here until football season restarts. Um, like you have Brent Herder coming back, you have Luke Waddell, who's a hit machine, coming back. Um, but outside of those two players, who we we've seen before, and we know are we we know what they can do. And you can't really count the beginning of 2020 because that's not enough. And honestly, that's not enough at-bats to really tell you what those younger players are like. You have so many un- – you, you know you have talent. You don't know how, yeah. how proven that talent is on the college level. You know they all come highly rated. They all come – like uh, perfect game is rated them super high, I think – uh, D1 baseball gave Tech like a top 15 newcomer ranking, et cetera, et cetera. But even then, the team as a whole is getting a top, he's tw- getting top 20 rankings too. Like it's, it's new guys who are really good and a team that is already pretty well regarded, right? Mm-hmm. It's you gotta, um, it's you gotta put it all together. The yep. key is you gotta put it all together and, and make that run. You gotta, Finish what that 2019 team started. Yep. The uh, uh, I will say one more one more point on previous year. They only played 16 games. They only played 16 games. That's a drop in the bucket mm-hmm. when you play a 60-ish game schedule. You know. I think that's. I mean, that's just about a third of this year's schedule. But I don't exactly remember how many were scheduled for last year. I think they usually push about 60. This we, we have a shorter schedule this year than we would otherwise. And plus you count ACC championship, NCAA mm-hmm. game played. I think we pushed 70 in 2019. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I, again, it's just you got to make that run. You got to finish what they started is, is really the TLDR on, on the 2021 baseball season yep. and what our expectations are. All right, uh, finishing up today's episode with some construction talk. You recently uh, did your own sort of uh, ad lib tour around campus to see what's uh, what's been cooking up. Uh, wh- what do you got for us? Yeah, um, so I was, you know, killing the three days that they gave us before school started on a Thursday, which was weird. Um, hold on, hold on. I also have to. I also have to say this before we move on. They they gave students three days on the front end, and then they I think they took away or they they added one long weekend, but then they completely nixed spring break. Just, no, I just want to put that on the record. This is it, what Georgia Tech did. No, it's not even a long weekend. We have a Tuesday off one week and a Wednesday off the next week. Incredible. I mean, okay, look, look. Uh, I have to you know hedge my criticism with pandemic it's it's there's like a legitimate health and safety reason tech is tech last semester was really really good about uh flattening the curve reducing spread keeping it all super minimal but in a vacuum if you ignore the pandemic part this is hilarious (laughs) scheduling by georgia tech miss missing fall break i didn't think it'd be as noticeable as it was i'm sure spring break will be even harder honestly Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Let's get back to the happy construction talk. Yeah, no. Um, so yeah, I had I had some time to kill on Wednesday or something like that. So I went for a run around campus. I was going to go with the beautiful baseball related segue, but now we are miles past that. Just know, oh miles, good. 
Um, electricity or electricians were at work on the insides of the new uh, new buildings and stuff. So we like to uh, we like to see that it looks pretty done. Got to rebuild the stands in front of the uh, in front of the new buildings, but you know they have just about a month until we'll see Eastern Kentucky there. Hopefully we'll we'll get some attendance, but uh, I mean if there is, yours truly will be first in line for that. So we will we will keep you posted on the baseball stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up here in terms of updates, you mentioned that. Howie construction at Howie physics has been completed. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I'm sure any of you listeners who uh, were a Georgia tech student definitely know the Howie building. Um, It's over on Atlantic and it's famous for having four giant lecture halls that are all really big uh, and have some tiny desks. Well, fear not. Now the desks are a little bit bigger, but they did this strange thing where they must have, re-poured the concrete or something like that. So it's not like uh, every row is its own stair anymore. Now it's two rows uh, on one like extra wide stair, but the seats are staggered and have space in the front and in the back. They're like jammed together like the old desk. It's just very confusing. Like it seems like a hodgepodge of flat and sloped and dense and not dense and just definitely an interesting choice that I just haven't seen before like i don't think i'd hate it but it was definitely different a couple of changes are great like i don't know i'll miss having a giant men's bathroom but now that the women's is an equal size is probably a good move and having a handicap restroom too good, these are good changes but like the rest just seemed like you change some wood and things are different but not really in a substantial way if that makes sense I mean, that, that kind of describes Georgia Tech renovations in a nutshell, honestly. That is that is fair. Um, yeah, I know. Howie, I saw there was a, there's some more renovations going on that are a lot more noticeable, and that would be turning a bunch of uh, parking lots into a park over on West Campus. Um, and that is that looks almost done, too. Mm-hmm. And I saw some pictures that you were sending us earlier in the week. And that looked like they were just waiting on some final uh, sewer grades and some other just fauna or the Florida fill the area uh, and, and some lighting. And then that would be, that would be open to the public. Yeah. See, you'd think, but I don't know if they're going to open it before they finish the giant sculpture that they're building out of various size sticks. Um, so if you walk down first and you see like big piles of sticks, it's because they're like, I don't know, it looks kind of like a fort where that little brick, um, I think it was a like tiny sorority house or tiny fraternity house. It used um, to be, it was a condemned fraternity house, if okay. I remember correctly. The, the lonely outpost far away from Greek Row, um, but it's right on that site and it, it looked kind of like a fort, but like, I don't know if people like are expected to go inside of it. I mean... Maybe it'd be interesting. I don't know, but the they're they're working on the giant stick sculpture thing, and it looks like, like you said, sewer grates. Make sure the lights all work, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you said another sculpture on campus is also done. Yeah, the uh, big white twisty thing that they're building over by the Kulk, uh, a monument to John Portman, uh, who you might know from uh, the Atlanta skyline existing. Um, 
architecture grad. Um, so it's right in front of those buildings. It's not as tall as I thought it was going to be. Um, and I thought they were going to stack the three twisty parts of the sculpture on top of each other instead of it's more like a triangle. But I don't know. Doesn't look bad. I think it's a acceptable enough fit. You know, I got, I got nothing against it. <laughs> it's no campanile, yeah. but. Oh, we'll get there. Uh, not today, but I have some I have some ire for for the way that looks right now. Look at what they've done to my boy. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, speaking of stuff over back by the student center too, you have a bunch of food places are on the move. Um, listeners who are Emmys, EEs in the last few years probably got used to there being coffee shops in both of those buildings, which are sadly gone. I presume doing the I presume due to fallout from COVID, but uh, but rip top time. Uh, we hardly knew you. Uh, also, I was seven of the ten drinks. Uh, for a free drink. So if somebody out there is listening, uh, if you know where to get their coffee, I would still buy that. Let's keep moving. You have, you said Twisted Taco is also moving from its location, I believe, in the top of the student center. Uh, that had already been gone. So they moved them to Willage for first semester, and now they're womp, womp. in the exhibition hall, I think. I don't know. That kind of pairs with Tech Dining uh, announced that they are not doing third-party uh, sourcing anymore starting this summer so that's interesting that is an interesting change for sure yeah definitely prepare for more changes changes there um and, and as the student center kind of comes along um in the, its construction obviously that was a place where a lot of student services a lot of food recreation etc happened so wow you think it, a student center was used as a center for students what it's wild, I know. Um, the addition that they're putting on the building, well, I guess they kind of tore down the old addition and are replacing it with a newer addition, but uh, but they're working on the second floor there. Um, I, I don't really know the, the full timeline, but I think they're about a year and a half out from being done with that, but they're, they're pouring concrete, so somebody's on the move. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the final two things you had, you had a... You noticed that a plaque was missing, which yeah. is a very you thing to point out and notice. I just want to I just want to make that clear. Only you would notice that these things are missing. Well, this is true, but I figure if we bring it up on the podcast, then maybe somebody who listens somewhere knows somebody who can fix it or know where it went or whatever. But the George Griffin uh, sculpture out where the ice cream cone statue used to be uh, in front of first used to have a plaque that like said who the guy was and what he did and why there was, you know, a, a big sculpture of him. Um, and now it's just George out there sitting on a step, which it's great that he's more in the open, but there's also more questions that are raised from say a freshman who has never come across him before. And like, they'll be like, who's this old guy? And I'll be like standing there, like looking at the statue or whatever. And they'll be like, do you know who that is? And I'll be like, yes, there's a plaque about him. And then the plaque wasn't there. So, uh, so rip that, but, uh, our boy George could use like a, a sign that says, hi, I'm George Griffin at least, or, or something just so that way people know who he is, I guess. So, so here's the thing. You should be the change, right? You know, be the change you want to see in the world. I, I suggest you just print out a piece of paper with the plaque on it, like print out a picture of the plaque, get some, get some tape and just put it right, right next to them. Yeah. Um, our, 
I already recruited our former co-host Cade uh, into going, where can we find the old one, get a new one made, whatever. Cause there's, there's a spot for it. There's a big empty rectangle, but there's just no, no, uh, you know, an eight and yeah, a half. I, I assume it, it's, yeah. I assume it's in cold storage, just waiting for construction to be over. Probably. There's a, a very interesting, like storage space with a bunch of old Georgia tech, like semi important, but not like archival stuff off campus that I've always wanted to get into. But uh are you trying to steal the Georgia Tech equivalent of the Declaration of Independence, Mr. Nicholas Cage? Uh if I was doing that, I'd probably go to the Emory Georgia Tech library thing. I'm I'm really going for more of like the stealing the I don't know. Is is there a famous movie where they steal something that's not that important but is vaguely relevant? <laughs> You're really testing my knowledge of uh, heist movies here. Dude, you got to be good for something, right? Heist movies. Oof. It is. Oof. Okay, final final item. You wanted to talk about this random door that you found. I, You know, listeners, he put a lot of stuff on this list. You could have probably stopped listening at this point. I just want to, you know, I want to give him his kicks. Before yeah. we, we end up talking about sports for the next couple of episodes. Yeah, I mean, we originally when we made this episode, we thought there was literally going to be nothing. Uh, but we got a couple baseball uh, baseball schedule tidbits and uh, the softball one and tennis. They didn't announce their schedule until two days ago. So it was literally just going to be us saying there was some divers and track happened and golf. Um, and here so, we are. Yeah. Like 40 minutes later. 40 minutes into an episode we thought was going to be zero minutes long. But yeah, no, I'm saving the best for last because this came up. I saw it posted. Somebody took a picture of it on Twitter or something like that. And I was like, I'm going to find this door. And so it was, if you stand on the upper level of the Peters uh, parking deck, not like the courts, but like the upper parking and go all the way down towards Bobby Dodd, there's this weird steel door with a very opaque window just like built into the side of Freshman Hill, pointed towards the stadium. And I was like, I need to figure out what that is. Sadly, I'm not important enough to have actual architectural diagrammatic and and schematics of the area, but I think I have a pretty good hunch as to what it is. Do you have a guess? Oh, wow. Okay. Nuclear reactor. I think that was on the other side of campus, but. I stand by my point. Okay, fair. It's, a, it's the second hidden reactor in Atlanta. <laughs> um, this is what, oh, no, 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 I get it. I get it. This is what you're going to try to steal. I get it. The door, sure. I mean, what's the, 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 the reactor the inside the door, you dingus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, no, there's uh, presumably it leads to something, but right on top, there's a bunch of storm sewers. So I assume that it's probably access or maintenance of some sort related to the stadium, which is right behind it. Uh, It lines up very well with like the access maintenance corridor there and lined up perfectly to where the old uh, athletics admin building was back in the day. Um, So I assume it's some sort of um, I should clarify more. Bobby Dodd sits right on top of a major trunk sewer line or stormwater line going up uh, North and south, roughly through Fowler, um, which should which really should not surprise you because they hold 
thing was built on top of what a, a cliff, a quarry, quarry. A a ravine. 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 Yeah. I, I was close. But yeah, a ravine that was filled in by convicts yeah. in, in the 19-teens. It should not surprise you that there was water access there. Yeah, so I presume that there's probably a lot more utility stuff through there and it, it being right on that main line that, you know, I don't know that it's the stadium. I don't know that it's the old athletic building. But given the position of... Uh, of the storm sewers and knowing that there's, I, I mean, I assume there's like an electric line probably running up and down through there too. I, I would, I would have to assume that it's some sort of access to, to that or another related campus utility, maybe one running up, up and down freshman Hill, but, but that trunk line is definitely the best bet. I don't know. I'm still betting on nuclear reactor personally. I mean, that'd be, that'd be the start of a great movie. I think you find the somebody somewhere's secret nuclear reactor under your college campus. Isn't that basically the plot of, uh, the dark Knight returns, dark Knight rises, rises. Does that make me Batman? Uh, as much as I, as, as fun as that would be, I'm not sure that I can doom you to that fate. Uh, I mean, I just want to know who from tech would be the bane on the other side. I feel like that would make a great thought exercise. That'll be that. That can be our article. Week. Article. Yeah. <laughs> who is tech's bane? EFO awaits. Hmm. A bald guy who's good at branding. Hmm. Hmm. We'll we'll get there. We'll we'll get there. Uh, any other enthralling construction tidbits? We did not mean to offend anyone with any implication uh, of being a supervillain. <laughs> so far. So far. So far. Yeah, so far. <laughs> All right. Any other enthralling construction tidbits? Because I know this content has been as exciting for, for me as it has been for you. For, for the ear- listeners whose ears have been bleeding as I talk about doors and lecture halls for the last 20 minutes. Thank you. Uh, you're the real OGs. Um, in terms of other stuff on campus, you know, it's, it's Atlanta. They're always building something. And I think next on the docket for a major project is the two towers they're building in tech square, but I haven't seen anything about that in a long spooky. time. So. Spooky. That Those are major projects too. So those will probably be two, three, four years in, in the making. So I guess oh, people yeah, look for out sure. for when that entire when that entire block of Atlanta gets raised. And you know what'll go down with it? Parking and transportation services. Ah. We take no pleasure in the uh, destruction uh, or de- uh, destruction deconstruction of uh, appreciated, hardworking Georgia Tech employees uh, places of work. Yeah, you have every right to have that opinion, and I'm proud of you for it. Someone has got to be the bigger man in these episodes, you know? <laughs> Good cop, bad copy. Eh? Uh, yes, we, uh, the bit continues. The bit continues. Listeners, thank you all for listening. Mr. Grant, thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, we will see you soon before we start mumbling on about something else for another hour. Oh, son.